Hey everybody, this is the Career Talks Real Talk Podcast, the new segment with my co-host Tiffany Human. Check us out every other Friday for a new episode to impact your career. We look forward to seeing you there. to the Career Talks Real Talk podcast. You're joining Tiffany Eumann and my fabulous co-host Orlando Haynes. And we have an amazing topic we'll be diving into in today's episode all around transitioning to management. Uh, something that I know I get a lot of questions about and I remember very vividly in my own corporate career. Um, so we're, we're really excited to bring some insights, really actionable tips to help you really succeed in that type of transition while also avoiding some pitfalls that can really work against you as a new people manager. Um, and, you know, I'll, I'll preface this by saying, you know, not everybody should be a people manager. Not everybody wants to be a people manager. Um, and that's okay. You know, there are very different types of career paths that you can be extremely successful in, and it doesn't have to require any type of, of people management. But for those of you tuning in who are, whether transitioning into this right now, or it's something that you aspire to do, or you're actively in a management role and looking to be your best self and constantly improve, I think this episode is really going to come in very handy. Orlando, would you like to add anything to that? No, I think you you hit it right on the head, Tiffany, is that uh, there's tons of folks, right, who've maybe been in management, looking to get into management, you know, some new grads, despite what the career economy looks like. Um, they have aspirations of climbing that corporate ladder, but there's obviously there's things to consider <laughs> uh, prior to. So that makes you a better manager. Uh, it's not just the title, folks. There's, there's some responsibilities and weight that comes with that for sure. Absolutely. And for everyone tuning in, let us know where you're joining us from. Give us a hi in the comments and also let us know what questions that you have top of mind around transitioning to management? What are those burning questions top of mind for you that we can further support you with? Um, well, we're going to jump right in. And I think a, a good way to start, Orlando, is probably around some of the things that we should be doing mm -hmm, in that mm -hmm. transition to management. Let's start off with the, the positives and then kind of shift into some of the things that you want to avoid or that will likely work against you as a, as a people manager now and, and in the future. So Probably one of the most important, important things to do is really around building the right relationships with your team members. Um, I can tell you, I say this often, but becoming a first-time people manager is probably one of the most difficult career transitions you will have because for the first time you are managing up and managing down at the same time. And, you know, up to that point, you've kind of just been responsible for yourself, right? Your own work, your own results, your own kind of role and responsibilities. And managing up was kind of the primary thing that you had to be concerned about. And now, you know, when you step into that people manager role, not only do you have to continue doing that and allow yourself to still shine and thrive, but you also have to manage down with your team and make sure that you are building that trust and that rapport and openness of dialogue so that you can mobilize your team in the best way and that they know that you support them and have their back. And so that relationship piece is likely the most important thing right out of the gate as a new people manager. And when I talk about building those relationships, I know it sounds like easier said than done sometimes, but it, it really is around understanding each individual team member, their needs, their strengths, what their goals are, what motivates them, right? Because no, no two employees are the same. And if you come in as a new people manager, just assuming that you can manage your whole team in the same way, it's likely going to backfire. So showing that level of individualization and the time and attention that you're putting towards that is going to go a long way for you and will build up that rapport and connection so much faster. 
I think that point is uh, so spot on because I'm sure folks probably heard the term uh, middle management can, can sometimes be the worst position because of that duality, mm-hmm. the managing up, you know, the in managing down, uh, not down, but, you know, you have your team and then you have the senior management to, to report to. So that is a push and pull that can be a struggle um, and that just that dependency. If you're coming from an individual contributor where you're solely responsible, like you said, Tiffany, based on your efforts, you know, your competencies um, in executing and getting it done. Now you have to unwillingly sometimes relinquish that and rely and be able to delegate because you want to be a good manager and develop your team. So you can't hoard all the projects, right? All the work, <clears throat> even though that may have been something you used to, but now you have to, okay, I'm going to trust you with this because you're on this team because of your specific skill set and talent and what you bring. Now let's get it going. And sometimes people don't operate the same uh, and there's gaps and things. <laughs> you have to, you know, close those gaps as a manager, uh, and so I think that's so key. And it's like I, I can tell you from 15 years of being in management, it's not always fun mm-hmm. in that middle management spot. So where you and you know, this being uh, a former senior director is that uh, the pressure falls directly on you. Mm-hmm. Right. Once you oh, hit yeah. that, it's not like, well, I just told my team member this and they didn't deliver. That's the buck kind of ends at you. <laughs> it oh, stops. So that's true. Not. There is so no one true. to turn around and point to. <laughs> it's yeah. take the bullet and then have the separate conversation. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and I think that's also a big part of building that right relationship with your team members of, yeah. yes, being able to to give the feedback and get mm-hmm. them on the right track if they're falling short of their what they're supposed to be doing. But it's also to help them feel safe under your leadership, right? And that, you know, you will go to bat for them. You will defend them where needed. You will be able to help them be the best version of themselves under under your management style. So it all kind of intertwines very closely together. Uh, but you're so right, Orlando. Like it is not an easy thing. I, I know for me, that was probably like the most difficult role I had in my career because it was such a new territory. Like the, whether it was learning how to delegate better, and I think especially if you're a high achiever like I am, you know, you you come in having really high standards of the quality of work that you do. And so that can be really hard to your point earlier, Orlando, around like relinquishing that and like wondering, you know, is my team going to be able to meet that same kind of standard that I have and that I want to uphold? But the great thing as a great manager is that you can help coach them. You could help teach them. You could help show them the way. And it might not be that at the very beginning, but with time and patience and encouragement and also obviously positive reinforcement, they're going to get there. Um, and I, I certainly saw that with my teams where there was that initial learning curve. But with time, you know, they ended up being rock stars on my team. Um, and I, I think that's a big piece of building those relationships really strategically. Yeah, one of the things I always love in a good manager is explaining the why versus just giving a directive and a deadline. It's yeah. here's why. Uh, here's why we need, need it to look this way or sound this way. And, you know, the end result needs to be at this level simply because, and I've always said this when I've, when I've managed teams was, uh, if anyone were to walk in a room and look at the project, they should know exactly what's going on. Mm-hmm. No matter who it is, no matter what department, whatever, it needs to be that plain, that clear, that concise, that systematic. So it's like, oh, okay, I see what this, you know, the talent team is doing. This makes mm-hmm. sense. So at yeah. any point, so I'm like, that's the why, why it has to be a certain way. So it's absolute clarity. But uh, before, before I go for, I just got a shout out. Is it Lakanda um, from, from uh, Zambia, Africa? Wow. Cool. Super, super cool. Thank you for joining. Oh, yes. Welcome. This is amazing. Yeah, she's saying, I'm actively in a management role looking to expand my knowledge and sharpen the management art. Oh, you came to the right place. We're so happy to have you join us. And maybe let us know what kind of uh, field or or industry that you're in. That would be really, really insightful for us. Uh, I echo everything that you just shared, Orlando. I mean, spot on, spot on. And I think that ties nicely with the next piece that Mm -hmm. we wanted to to share around really best practices in transitioning to management. And it's setting clear expectations. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it sounds so obvious, right? When we say it, it's like set clear expectations, of course. 
but once again here, it's just a, a place where it doesn't always end up going the way that it should. And clear expectations can mean a few things. I mean, on the one hand, it could be clear expectations with your team and mm-hmm. the goals that they have, the objectives that they're being evaluated against, uh, where you want to be involved for approvals or alignments so that they know how to involve you and where they don't need to involve you, right? There's a few things there that fall into the expectation territory. Um, but I think it's also around communicating what, what you want in terms of the team, the dynamic, the vision, your, your mission for them as a collective unit as well, both as a whole and also individually. It goes back to what you were saying, Orlando, about the why, right? As much as it's important to share with each team member the why as to why you're asking them to do something, it's also important that they understand like your vision and maybe how that's trickling down from leadership or management and how they play a role in that. And so those expectations are so, so crucial. Um, And that could even go alongside with feedback, right? Giving regular feedback, making sure that if you feel that your team is going off track or steering off course with the expectations that you've given them, don't be afraid to give that feedback, even if it's constructive feedback. You know, yep. constructive feedback doesn't have to be a bad thing at all. They would much rather know what they can be doing better or differently if it's going to help their development, if it's going to help drive better results, than to be left in the dark because as a new manager or even not necessarily a new manager, but a people manager who's a little hesitant to be hard on their team, it's really doing them more of a disservice than a service at the end of the day. And I think we, what, what I'm about to say is we talked, we might've talked about this on a previous episode is whether you're a new leader stepping into an already established team, or you get to build your team Mm. and setting those clear, clear expectations is also, again, the duality, because it's a back and forth with your team is to say, okay, what are your expectations of me as your new leader? Um, Tell me how best I can manage you. Tell me what aspirations you have the next six months, year, two years with organization. Um, In this way, you start to uncover maybe some pain points that I've, I've had conversations. Well, previous manager, I was previously told I was given an opportunity to go here, but it never came about. So I want to uncover all that stuff simply because they can harbor that thinking, here's another manager who's not going to listen to me. Mm. I'm not going to get that involved. I'm not going to give my all because I've seen this, you know, I've seen this record before. Mm -hmm. So having those early conversations get to uncover and really find out the human behind, you know, the team and really understand some of their personal pain points, maybe, they wanted the role you stepped into, right? I think if that information is given to you, you you better understand and say, okay, well, let's get you, what, what would the next role be? Yeah. How do I get you, if you want this role, because I want the next role, my goal is going to be, you know, if that's the senior person on the team, my goal is to get you here. Here's my roadmap for my plan and let's get yours together and see how we can work together to help you out. Push me out so I can move up and, and I can pull you up. So I think those one-on-ones early is really, really good. And just do that. If you have multiple people on your team, go one by one. Yeah. I think within your first 30 days, have those conversations early. Oh, I I completely agree. I love that you mentioned that Orlando around identifying, identifying those pain points. That Mm -hmm. is so important. And it's something that your team will really appreciate about you. Like instead of just coming in thinking that, oh, I know what to do. I'm just going to pick things up and do what I've always done or, uh, you know, just kind of assume things of your team. I, I never want like any, any people manager to just assume things of their team. And by actually probing around those pain points, it's going to help them feel really heard and listened to, which will again play into that first point we mentioned around building up that trust and respect and rapport with one another. But it also helps you as the people manager for when you do share recommendations or strategies that integrate those pain points so that you get their buy-in like so much, so much faster, right? Instead of facing resistance as maybe the new manager, especially if you're inheriting an existing team where they might've had a bit of ups and downs with a previous boss, you know, you can really set a new precedent here and show that, Hey, you know, Michael, like you shared that this was a a challenge for, for you and your particular role, you know, here's something that um, I recommend putting in place. That's really going to help completely turn that around. Or, you know, Michelle, you know, you mentioned that this is something that's been a little bit of a little bit of an aggravation for you. You know, what if we were to try this? Do you believe that that would actually help move things in a better direction? And 
I know I've done that a lot with my teams and especially with people who had been there longer than I was, right? Sometimes even if you're managing people who are older than you, who are more seasoned in the organization, there is such a wealth of knowledge that you can really capture from those individuals where they don't feel like you're trying to reinvent the wheel. They really feel understood that you are trying to understand things that might have not worked as well in the past and how you can actually come in actively to improve that. It's yeah. going to totally create a different dynamic when it comes to setting those clear expectations and following through on them as well on both sides for your team and also for yourself as their leader. One thing that just popped in my head after you saying that is um, if you get the opportunity to step into a new role and that previous manager, him or her, is still there because they stepped up, it's almost like the presidency, right? There's a transition that needs to happen. There are conversations that need to happen uh, around projects, performance, you know, the team members, their personalities, all those things that if you're if you're lucky to have that happen to you, right, take full advantage of that. But again, still have those conversations on your own because you don't want to go into it with a preconceived notion because you don't know the dynamics of that relationship. And if that manager was a great manager, sometimes that can be a little daunting as well. It's like, OK, mm -hmm. wow. I'm, I'm filling some shoes. They're all now they're like, oh, boy, Tiffany was a rock star. I'm hoping this person comes in and understands how we work as a team mm. and fits in is because Tiffany was more motherly and more caring. And and this person may not be that like that doesn't work for us. We're used to a certain type of style. So that's why, you know, those conversations are so crucial. That's the I think that's the real management piece to it. Right. It's like it's like the first point we talked about building the relationships. That's the real management piece that where mm -hmm. if things go awry, you know, you you're in the business now or in the role for six months, you're starting to get your your sea legs under you. You got a little rhythm going with the team. Uh, they respect you because, um, you know, you've had those early conversations, but it's easier that at that point for you to to kind of pull each other up because you've you've had those um, those deep conversations, maybe and really got yeah. an understanding of who I am and who you are. And it's not just I'm the new sheriff. Let's go. Because I've been a part of that. <laughs> I can tell you, yeah. it, you, you just like you don't know. You don't know. I'm about to walk out and you're going to be in a world of hurt. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. A little bit of uh, reality check time. <laughs> yeah. Like, trust me, at this moment, you need me far more than I need you. Right. Mm -hmm. So uh, oh, especially when you have point. a tenure team, that's a whole whole. Nother oh, topic, yeah. But absolutely. That's a whole nother topic. It's really good that you mentioned that, Orlando, mm -hmm. around, you know, especially if you're stepping into a role, replacing a previous manager who was really top notch, yeah. someone that had, you know, a reputation that preceded them. I know that can feel really overwhelming or intimidating and maybe we'll take a hit on confidence or imposter syndrome starts yeah. kicking in and you're like, oh my gosh, am I going to be able to deliver in this role? Or like their team's just speaking so highly of them. I don't know if I'm going to live up to that. Trust in yourself, believe in yourself because you were chosen to succeed that person for a reason, right? It's not just someone that they put in there by chance. So know that you wouldn't have been given that role if, you know, management leadership, HR didn't see you as a really good person to take yeah. that, that next step forward. So don't let that, that psych that psyche mindset almost just throw you off the bandwagon and get in your own head and really, really make you question yourself because you need to bring that confidence coming into a new team. Your team will sense it if you feel uncertain or if you are questioning yourself. And that's probably going to come through in communication, which is actually the next point I wanted to share. But ultimately, in terms of having maybe shaky communication or being wishy-washy or changing your mind a lot it's going to come from that place of self-doubt and we, we really want to try to minimize that. So something that will help as another kind of best practice here in transitioning to management is effective communication. I mean, I honestly, I'll, I'll say it as far as like communication is just the number one skill in like anything career related. Yep. It can make the magic happen or it can like be your demise. It's, it's your decision which way you want it to go. But especially as a new people manager, like strong communication skills are absolutely vital here. I mean, for any manager at any level of seniority, really bringing an open, transparent, and accessible type of communication to your team goes to what I said a little earlier about really helping your team feel safe with you, right? Safe to bring up problems, challenges, 
discuss things that might not be working as well, you know, as much as they're open to share the good stuff, you know, it's, it's going to be a very one-sided dynamic if your team doesn't feel comfortable sharing things that really do need to be improved because they're concerned of how that's going to be received. So as the manager, you need to create that type of culture where that's fostered, where that open communication both ways is very much embraced and encouraged. Um, I would also say active listening mm -hmm. is just as important as being the effective communicator. So really taking that time to listen to your team, listen to their concerns, not be dismissive, right? I know that's something that a lot of managers tend to do is they just kind of dismiss the idea, dismiss the recommendation without actually allowing their team members to explain like, why are, like, why are you proposing that or share a little bit more with me on this? Or, you know, that wasn't exactly the approach I was thinking you were going to suggest, but I'm, I'm open to hearing more on, you know, why you're recommending that approach. At least something like that's going to help them feel heard. Even if you don't decide to go that, that direction, it's not like you're just shutting it down altogether. And you would probably also in return want that kind of dialogue from them to be receptive to what you're sharing and to be open to considerations that you have. So you could even go as far as, you know, communicating your vision, your top priorities, give them a timeline, a roadmap of what are the non-negotiables for the next month, the next quarter, the next six months. Give them that visibility. Help them understand how certain decisions are being made um, to avoid like any kind of misunderstandings or confusion. Like hands down, any kind of miscommunication <laughs> can be avoided by having effective communication to begin with. And I, and I, I love that point because uh, I'm going to answer it or share from the latter back to the to the first point you made, but with the, you know, communicating with your boss, I think one could, I like, I love when you say the pro tip. So one pro tip, if your boss is, you know, really listening to you is one thing I learned. And I, I had to make sure I was conscious of this is walk in a room, him or her. And if they completely turn away from their laptop and are focused and are not just still have the laptop open hand on mouse and looking that's how you know you have, you know, full attention when they've completely diverted themselves or say, hey, let's sit over here. Um, so there's zero distractions. That's when you know they're all in, at least at that moment. The perception is that they're all in, regardless of what's going through their mind with people. So that happens. But if they're talking to you while one, again, staring at the laptop ever so often or maybe uh, jotting some stuff down, probably they're not. You know, they're probably 60 percent of the way into the conversation, which can feel like, OK, there's mm -hmm. a disconnect here. You're, you're, yeah. you're, you know, just you're just pushing what I'm saying to the side or you're dismissing it. Uh, mm -hmm. So that's a great point there. And as far as the, with the communication piece, I love managers who can admit that they don't know what they're doing at first. Uh, there was times where I had to lean on my team because they were more senior uh, and they had strength in systems and processes. Uh, within the organization, I said, hey, I'm going to come to you because you're the SME, right? I mm -hmm. don't know yet. You need to train me. So be open to that. And I'm OK. I have no problem giving you all the, the, the glory and the props and everything <laughs> when it comes to completing a project. I said, but I'm going to set time on the calendar weekly, biweekly, whatever it is, so you can train me on this current process. And then let's work together to see if there's any gaps or improvements that's needed, because now that becomes my job. Okay, how do we get more efficient at what we do and to produce more with less, you know, uh, with less, basically. Mm -hmm. So I love that I bring everyone to the table or if, so your manager is bringing you all to the table. And it's not just is that sometimes you just got to make a decision, right? Mm -hmm. The directive is coming, but here it is. But again, if yeah. you're effectively communicating the why behind that decision, saying, hey, guys, this is one that we can't collaborate on. We don't have 24 hours to kind of toss it around. This is directive. This is the deadline. We got to go. Yeah, absolutely. And, and when you have time, hey, let's come together. Let's brainstorm. I want ideas from everyone. And how do we put this, you know, put this, uh, mm. this project over the finish line together? Yeah, that is so good. That's so spot on. And I, I love these comments coming through as well. Lakondo mm -hmm. saying, you know, emotional intelligence needs to go hand in hand with communication. hundred percent agree. hundred percent agree. I mean, I've, I've had, you know, managers who were really, really spot on with their emotional intelligence and others that mm -hmm. were not. And it was 
a very different dynamic between those two types of settings. And so 100%, the emotional intelligence, it, it goes a lot with, you know, leading with, with openness and empathy and understanding and bringing that more human side to the relationship from a boss employee dynamic. It's just critical. I can't emphasize that enough. And I love David's point as well. Communication is much more than the spoken word. Reading body language is also very important. Absolutely. I mean, I, I coach a lot on communication and effective communication. And you're absolutely right, David. You know, that body language, do not discount that. You know, and I, I, I was actually just having a conversation with this with some of my clients recently where, you know, we're talking about virtual environments and whatnot. And I know often this might be a bit of a controversial point and as a little sidestep quickly from transition to management, but it's real <laughs> talk and, you know, let's go for it. But, you know, when we're in a virtual setting, a lot of people still choose to keep their camera off mm -hmm. and that is their choosing if they want to do that. But so much of our communication comes through our body language, our facial expressions, how we're reacting. And so when you are just cutting that off where people cannot see any of that and they only hear you and maybe they don't even hear you if you don't say anything, that can be really detrimental. And I, I kind of draw the parallel that if you're in a physical work environment, you're not going to go into a meeting with a bag over your head. <laughs> like you just wouldn't do it. And so just because we have that opportunity to shut a camera in a virtual setting, does it mean that we should? I'm a little bit a believer of no, we should always show up as our best self, just as we would if it was an in-person setting. There might be exceptions to the rule every now and then where we mm -hmm. have to turn our camera off. And again, we could set expectations and be very clear with our manager or as our manager to our team as to why we're having our camera off. But it all ties so closely together. And it it, it actually ties a lot with transitioning into management because as a manager, as a people manager, you're not just looking for yourself now, like you are creating a legacy for your team, you're creating a legacy for yourself. And so you need to decide how do you want to show up? How do you want to show up in a way that's going to inspire and motivate others around you? Mm -hmm. And some of it is in that packaging of how we physically show up. And it ties a lot with communication, but even beyond that. So I'm, I'm really glad that those points came up in, in the comments. And it maybe as a quick final point around you know, effective communication. I think what's also really important here is making sure that, you know, we're being very succinct in our communication as people managers. I know sometimes it can be overwhelming and we're getting a lot of information, especially top down and feel like we have to overshare or maybe share all of these details. But your job as a people manager is to refine that messaging. Like you have to refine that messaging to make the most relevant points come through loud and clear. And that can take time. It is a skill that needs to be a little bit mastered, but it's going to serve you really well with your team because they're going to know, hey, when Orlando comes to me, like I know exactly what I need to do, why I need to do it, what that means for me. And there's never any ambiguity. But if you are one that is long-winded and doesn't do that prep work of refining the messaging, it's going to likely lead to a lot of miscommunications, misunderstandings, and problems that could really easily be avoided. Right. And I, um, I love the comment. <laughs> Someone said uh, right online with what you were saying, uh, Tiffany says, I like these tips. Uh, I work remotely and we never have the camera on unless it's requested, which is mm -hmm. rare, but my boss does show his face and I've been trying to show it more myself. So oh, this is my, my personal take on it. Um, I'm okay if folks have the camera off amongst peers in your meeting. But when there's a senior leader or manager on show your face, because like you said, uh, especially if you guys are presenting something to fine tune a deck that needs to get rolled up or whatever it is, mm -hmm. um, show your face while you're presenting. Because again, the facial expressions, it, it's it's better to see who's doing it. Um, cause I've been a part where I've seen folks present and having a clue, like, who is this person? Because everyone's so spread out. You're like, I've never seen them face to face. So you got to check internally in teams and say, okay, there's a picture of the person that was just talking. But, yeah. uh, it's, it, I would say again, this is just me. My personal thought is if you, you have leadership on, you know, be visible unless they say, nope, don't worry about the cameras. But if yeah. the leader's on and there's no other person, yeah, that can feel a little bit weird talking to black boxes with names, right? So <laughs> yeah, that can be a bit weird. 
Absolutely. And, you know, think of it this way, if everyone else has their camera off and you're the one person out of maybe 30 people on that call or however many on that call, you're one of the very few that has their camera on. Well, guess who's going to be remembered a little bit more. You don't even have to say anything. Just the fact that you're physically present and they can see you and see your smile, see you nodding, see that body language in full effect. That in itself is going to show up really well for you. So, you know, everyone to each their own, but Please take it into consideration (laughs) if you haven't necessarily um, been doing that in the past. I I see David saying, you know, honestly, I don't know how true collaboration can happen through a screen in person is the only true way to have communication. You know, it's an interesting perspective. I've seen it go both ways, David. I think, of course, being in a physical setting, there are certain things that we just don't get in a virtual setting. That's 100% fair. You know, the, the little micro moments that just don't come as naturally or fluidly on camera. Totally fair. But I don't want it to feel that it has to be a roadblock to build really meaningful communication, exchanges, relationships through a virtual setting because it's absolutely possible. Um, But again, it comes from leading from example and showing up as your best self and bringing the energy, bringing the the type of packaging that you want just as much as you would bring in a physical setting. You know, I've gotten oh. that feedback a lot for me too, where even if it's in person <laughs> or virtually, they're like, you you always have the same energy. And I'm like, well, yeah, why wouldn't I have the same energy? It's not like there's a version of me on camera in a virtual setting and then a different version of me in an office. That doesn't sound right. Yeah. So just something to consider. Go ahead, like, Orlando. I was going to say, I, I love to see the smiles, right? Because you go into the meetings and there's that five minute banter back and forth, asking about the weekend or whatever it is. And I love to see whether it's in screen or in person, but if, if it's virtual, just folks started to laugh and we all crack up at a joke or something that happened. That's cool. I feel more close to that person because then if I run into them in the office and it's like, oh, remember when we talked about this and this and that, it's just more personal. You feel like you've known them a little bit longer. Like, oh, yeah, I remember you from the meetings. And yes, yeah, so it was great to meet you in person. And for, versus someone saying, oh, yeah, we met in the meeting. You're like, your your brain, for me, my brain scrambles. What yeah. what were the names? <laughs> so if Absolutely. he wasn't on screens, I'm like, I'm not going to remember the, the yeah. black boxes with your name. I remember the face. A to face. The name. Yeah. So yeah. The, there's that phrase. It's glad to put a face to the name, not a black mm-hmm. box to the name. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. yeah. And, you know, and, and the theme of today's topic, right, around transitioning to management as a people manager, you can recommend that your team put their camera on. You know, I've done that with my teams where I say, you know what, like, I'm not going to control what other teams do. But for me and my team, I want you to show up as your best self. And a big part of that is having your camera on. And they, they, again, they understand the why, because I share why that's important for them that by having your camera on, this is going to help, you know, the other participants, especially the senior leaders or senior members of our particular department, they're going to see you, they're going to be able to engage with you better. That's going to bring more memorability. It's going to help in the visibility that you have. And that has a positive effect down the line as well in terms of your development. So don't be shy to tell your team to put the camera on or to just consider that differently than what they've possibly been doing up to now. Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, going back to expectations, clear expectations. If you set that early, it's like, Hey, when we're remote, if you're remote, just let's make sure we have a certain cadence of being on camera. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just like perfect person. Yeah. Perfect. And this leads nicely to the next point, Orlando, that Mm -hmm. is definitely a must when you are transitioning into management is developing your own particular leadership style, you know, and there's definitely the more classical leadership styles that we read about or hear about. But I I really do believe as a new manager, it's important to discover what's really your most natural style. That's going to help you be your natural self, but also be very inspiring and motivating for your team members. And a big part of that is reflecting on your own strengths and what you do best. And also knowing where your own opportunity areas are as well. And you mentioned this earlier, Orlando, and I love that point because we don't have to be good at everything as a people manager. We're going to have our own strengths and you're going to be a lot more effective as a people manager by honing in on those strengths and absolutely maximizing them and then surrounding yourself with people who can complement some of the areas that aren't necessarily your strengths or your strengths right now. Um, I remember there was one meeting I was in with our CEO at the time, and he he was obviously the top gun at the company, right? There wasn't anyone higher than him. And he said something that really st- stuck with me to this day. 
And he said it so openly too. And I was like, wow, that's kind of refreshing to hear. Mm. But he said, you know, for me, I purposely surround myself with people who are smarter than me. Mm. He's like, I know I'm not going to know everything, but I have, I have my, my soldiers. I have my people who are going to be able to fill in what I am not necessarily as strong in myself. And I have my own strengths, but you know, I know my CFO is extremely strong in X, Y, Z, and that helps round things out. Or I know that this person has these types of strengths. And I think that shows a lot of modesty, even at a C-level type of executive, but also to bring a lot of inspiration as a growing leader and a growing people manager that you don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to be checking all the boxes. You're brought into this role because of what you've done up to that point that's allowed that confidence to show that you should be taking on that next level role. And so building up on those strains and not necessarily playing too much into the weaknesses or development opportunities, but knowing that those are things that you can work on while still surrounding yourself with others as you're building out your own leadership style is going to be really important. Yeah. I think another point is too, is that as you're, you developing your, your leadership style, <clears throat> it actually draws your team in closer, right? If it's if it's a great leadership style, let's stay on the positive side. So if you're developing that that style, again, they get a sense of who you are, your personality, maybe more behind the, the nine to five of you know what your home life is like, if you're married or single, things like that. But you incorporate those things so they get a better understanding. And if you have an off day, they know what that looks like, right? Um, and, and then there's not like, Oh, he's coming down on me or she's coming down on me. If you just, you know, if you just have a bad day, we all have bad days and it's mm. tough because as leaders, you, you, you're kind of weighted with having have to be this certain um, kind of what's the word I'm looking for um, kind of framework or personality where nothing shakes you, right? Mm. You, you had almost have to go on unshakable, but I think the more you effectively communicate um, and share with, Hey, this is, this is the way I like to communicate and, and maneuver. You may be more of the visionary style um, and don't get too much in, into the details, which is dangerous. But yeah, um, and you have to say, hey, I'm more of a uh, I'll send you a list of bullet points of ideas that I have through email. Um, yeah. Our meetings may be short 15 minutes because you're, you're racing. You're, you're that type of manager, like production, production, get things done. But but what? all of what I'm saying is, is that you have to share what that is. I think again, back to our earlier points about being effective in your communications is share your style up front, mm -hmm. right? Don't oh, let yeah. your team try to figure it out and navigate. That's not, mm -mm. that's not a good manager, you know, no. share, Hey, things like this. If I come out of a meeting with my senior leadership, um, I may need a minute, right? <laughs> <Just> to, <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah me, Don't pounce me. on me just yet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Don't come ask what just happened. Just yeah. give me a minute to lick my wounds a bit. Then I can craft the message that needs mm. to be crafted to you. Because so there's some words that you just, you know, some things you you just can't relate to your, you know, to yeah. your team that supports you. It's just like, okay, give me a minute, mm -hmm. give me a break. Or, you know, like, hey, you may have that as my team member. You may come in with a bad day. Know that I'm going to support that and give you your time too to come back, you know, better. If you need a 10 minute walk, go walk around the building, go do what you need to do yeah. or step away from the screen, take 10 minutes away from your laptop, do what you got to do. Ping me when you're ready. And then we'll yeah. circle back. Like be, be that communicate communicative with your team. So they know, all right, he or she really understands and they're human. They go through the same stuff we do. Yeah, absolutely. You made me think of a few other points too, just touching on the leadership mm -hmm. style. I think the first one is, really building a type of culture with your team that really fosters like trial and error and, mm. and, and making mistakes and celebrating the, the learnings and failures just as much as the wins, because there's a lot of amazing insight that can come from postmortems and things that didn't work out the way that you thought they would just as much as you're celebrating the results that you're getting. And I've certainly been on both sides of that coin. And I can tell you the moment I started managing my own teams in a way that really embraced both sides of that. Like it was a game changer. It was a total game changer because I saw them not being afraid to, you know, push past their comfort zone, bring ideas for that might've been wild ideas, but it helped us come to something that still really pushed 
the boundaries that we probably wouldn't have come to otherwise as a team. And, you know, knowing that it's okay, not everything is going to work out. David brought up a really great point in the comments that kind of leads to this, right? Great leaders are brave enough to be their authentic selves. Blemishes in all fake leadership style is not trustworthy. 100%, mm -hmm. right? Part of being a really good people manager is knowing that, you know, not everything's going to be gardens and roses. Like there's going to be things that don't go the way that you need them to go and owning up to it and sharing, you know, what happened, why that's happened, what you're learning from that and using that as an example to really inspire your team that, Hey, you know, if like Orlando is showing up in this way in front of management and the way that they're approaching the situation, it shows me that I can do that too. And that's going to influence them as they grow in their own careers under your leadership style. Um, so that, that's a really, really important piece. I think of just identifying what kind of leader you want to be, yeah. but knowing that creating a culture where trial and error is not a bad thing, it's actually really good and can bring so much reward uh, is, is, is pretty essential, actually. Yeah. yeah. I think, too, would be um, self-awareness, right? Knowing mm -hmm. that if you have gaps, if you're not a manager who encourages and motivates, uh, you need to be aware of that because that might be exactly what your team needs, right? And then you may have some folks that like, I don't need the pat on the back and the celebration. I need X. Um, so you may have to, you know, maneuver your style a bit per team member. But again, if you know that up front, uh, yeah. I think it's it's really, really key to know. But for the most part, I think most folks need encouragement. Yeah. Um, and you, And if you know that's not your, you know, it's tough for you to say, hey, you did a great job because you're thinking, well, that's your job. You're supposed to do it you might want to rethink that right? <laughs> you might want to rethink that because that that one compliment may be the the one thing your team member needs to go the extra mile yeah. um, to complete a project or an assignment you know whatever it is yeah uh, to make overall overall that department look good and you ultimately look better as the leader of that department right yeah. and give praise to your team in front of senior leadership yes like don't and then be the person that tells your team like hey I will go to bat for you. I will take the fall, but please communicate with yeah. me that, you know, where the shortcomings are. Mm -hmm. That's, that's my leadership style. Yeah. And me personally, it's like, I'm, I, I kind of manage from a big brother standpoint. You can come talk to me about anything, anytime, any place, you know, we can talk. Um, but understand that if it's something related to a project or business, we're, we're going to have some tough conversations, especially if there's mm -hmm. some shortcomings. So that's oh, perfectly yeah. fine. There's that open door. But again, know the different levels that you may need to, you know, tiptoe through or yeah. jump to and you know, understand who your team is and your style may flex. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And remember when your team shines, you shine, you know, yeah, it's a absolutely. result of your management. And so it, it kind of goes to some of the, the don'ts that we'll probably talk to in a few moments, but you know, don't, don't be shy to praise your team to your point, Orlando, in front of management, in front mm -hmm. of some of the big decision makers, give them proper recognition moments. Those little things can go a really long way and they're probably not going to ask you to do that. So, yeah. you know, that's a big part. And I even see as a, a last piece here is as a people manager, surprise and delight, you know, keep yourself on your toes, keep your team on their toes, help them think and challenge the status quo a little bit more instead of just being done doing what's expected try to find those creative areas that can bring that little you know something extra that's going to create your mark as a team and really set your legacy within the organization i know i certainly did that on many occasions and as a result myself and my team we were known as creating a lot of best practices internally because we were doing those those little extra elements, whether it was in the relationship building and how we handled the projects and how we communicated them and mm -hmm. how we collaborated together. There's so many different ways that you can pull on that, but it's something that I really love doing. And I, I encourage all people managers to think about, especially as you're transitioning and deciding, you know, what kind of leadership style you want to have. Think about, you know, what kind of legacy do you want to leave? You know, what do you want people to say about you? What do you want mm -hmm. people to feel when they're working with you? And that alone can really bring a lot of insight as to how you actually manage those that you're, you're, you're really leading and, and are under your leadership. 
yeah. It's funny. Uh, one of my former uh, team members, <laughs> yeah, we had, you know, we had each other's personal phone number and she had a brain next to my number. I was like, what's the brain? She goes, oh, you're one of my smartest leaders I've, I've, I've worked with. I was like, oh, that's super cool. <laughs> um, and, and I say that to say I can I can only imagine what your team uh, would say walking away from meeting with you like. Yeah. And I, I imagine in my head, they're like, how does Tiffany always know what to say? <laughs> like she <laughs> says the proper words. Like, how does she do that? <laughs> yeah, no, I get that. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes. I, I, I love David's question. Um, is it all right oh, yeah. if I take this one? Yeah. Um, he's saying, you know, how do you handle the bully team member who always questions or naysays decisions in the team setting? So mm. I have a really good one liner here, David, that's going to help. And for anyone who is in those situations, whether down, like with your team members or even people not on your media team, maybe it's like support teams that you're working with, but they're influencing your own team. So when you have that, that person that's like just constantly going against the grain, like just resisting like every single move, ask them this very simple question when they resist. If they're like, no, no, whatever they're going to say, respond with something like, interesting, what makes mm -hmm. you say that? And it's a really good line by saying, interesting, what makes you say that? Because interesting still acknowledges their point. It's not dismissive. Remember what we talked about earlier? You don't want to be dismissive. Even with someone that's a little bit more standoffish, it's just going to create too much confrontation. And then you're not going to find a common solution moving forward. So interesting opens up their receptiveness. And the what makes you say that leads them to have to give some kind of response as to why they're against what you're suggesting or what the team is suggesting. And by understanding what they're going to say, you can then better rebuttal it. Maybe they're going to have an actually well-founded answer where you'll have more context as to why they're against the idea or proposition, but maybe they don't really have anything good to go off of. And then that's going to help you take control back of the conversation and be a little bit more fact-based or data-driven as to why you are recommending that this is the ideal way to move forward. So instead of just taking it at face value and being like, oh gosh, this is just a really difficult team member, try that approach. It works really well. And I think when in doubt, you'll probably have to also have a one-on-one -on -one conversation with that individual yeah. team member about what, how they've been showing up in these settings and how it's creating a lot of resistance and impacting the team morale, which is doing them a disservice. And it's not really allowing them to shine in the way that you want them to as their manager. And so when you come at it from that place where you want them to succeed, you want them to be their best selves. And this is something that could put a wrench in that plan. You could definitely have a conversation around that. So I hope that love helps it. David, but I, I personally love that question. Yeah. Love that. Love that. Cause you're putting them right on the spot. <laughs> put on the spot. They'll be yep. caught off guard, but they probably won't do it very much moving forward. And they're going to have to give you some kind of answer. Yep. I think this is a good segue Orlando into some of the things you don't want to do uh, in transitioning to people management. And we can round off with some of those points. Yeah. Um, I think a big one that comes to mind, I hear about this a lot, is micromanagement. Yeah. Brandon, I think that's kind of a common downfall as a new people manager when you are so used to doing all the work yourself, right? And so you feel like you need to know every single detail. And now suddenly you have a team and you have to count on them. Um, it can be very, very easy to start getting micromanaged and just be too much in their space. Um, and so something I, I really love recommending as a, as a people manager is kind of building this concept of protection versus permission. What I mean by that is ties a lot with the clear expectations and effective communication we talked about. But when you're coming into a new team, when you are a people manager, let your team members know where they have the protection from you, right? Where you're going to have their back, where you're, they're going to be protected everything tied to that, but where they're also going to have permissions to have more autonomy and free reign. It is going to really avoid the micromanagement because you're going to be very clear. If there's things that you want to be involved in, that you want to approve, that you want to align on, that's going to be part of the protection piece. And they're going to know that. And if they don't follow through on that, well, shame on them because you were very clear and you articulated that. And at least you have a foundation to go off of. Same thing with the permission piece where they have more flexibility don't then go micromanage that when you've said initially, you know, I, I have faith in you. This is something that I know you can handle on your own. So it sets the white, right kind of context to avoid falling into a micromanagement cycle that can be a little bit hard to backpedal from. I like that. And I like to think of micromanagement can be used 
good. And I'll, I'll, I'll explain myself. So somebody might be like, what are you talking about? You're crazy. So in my mind, micromanagement is about frequency, right? So yeah. the frequency in which that manager is following up on an assignment that he or she said they trust you with. If it's multiple times a day, if it's daily, that can start to feel like micromanagement versus if you're the manager that feels like you they, you need to know the details, when you have that weekly recap meeting, that's when you set it enough time, whether it's 60 minutes, an hour and a half, 90 minute conversation to receive all the details at that point, uh, again, versus having someone who's the daily frequency check-in point. So there's a, is a easy balance to say, okay, to if you're that manager who's just like, I got to know. I think if you transition that way, say, so let me have a long enough meeting so I can get everything at once and I'm full for the week. I'm like, okay, great. I know where we're at. I know where the, the gaps are. I know where we started, et cetera, versus, hey, hey, Tiffany, how, how are we doing? Uh, I know we met at eight o'clock, but it's, it's, it's 10 o'clock. How are you doing on that piece you like? And then it's two o'clock and then it's 4.30. Hey, can you wrap that up by 5.30? And you're like, <laughs> like oh my what God, happening? Like, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> Like you see my project list, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, but so I think, again, it can be it's frequency in the check in. That's what drives people crazy. Yeah. Uh, for the most part, it's like, whoa. Yeah. We just we just talked about this. So it's easier if you just switch and say, OK, hey, we're going to have this meeting. We're going to build out two hours in this meeting, whatever it is uh, for you to just give me everything. So we start off once we leave, we're on the same page and know what the, you know, the deliverables are going forward. Mm, yeah, that is so good. So good. I think another piece here is lack of communication. I, mm. I know we've emphasized it a lot before that effective communication is definitely a best practice. And whether that's nonverbal, verbally what you actually say and how clear and succinct you are and all of that and how it ties with setting the right expectations, lack of communication can be a huge downfall, right? Whether it's not giving proper updates to your team or being too last minute in what you share with them, which leads to a lot of unnecessary stress or overload for them because you didn't communicate things properly or actually being unclear in your communication where one day you're communicating one thing and then the next day it's a totally different story and then the next day it's another different story. That can be very frustrating mm -hmm. for your team members. And it's it's not going to build the need of trust and respect that you need with them. And so, you know, really try to avoid that lack of communication. Honestly, over-communication is almost always better than lack of communication if it's done effectively, right? And so if you can be transparent, if you could be consistent, let your team know what they can expect of you when it comes to how you communicate with them and encourage that the other way around towards you from them, that's going to be very effective. But lack of communication is a huge no-no. It's a big problem, big, big problem. Yeah, especially as a change in project or a project got canceled and they're still working on it. Like, oh, I forgot, yeah, to, I forgot to tell, tell you. Ago, we're not doing that anymore. What? Yeah, right. Yeah, they canceled or, that last week. What? That, absolutely. <laughs> or even, you know, sometimes it translates into being like an unavailable people mm -hmm. manager where it's like you just have so much on your own plate right. that you're like you, you cancel status meetings or you cancel your one to ones or you're just like, there's just too much. I can't meet with my team right now. Mm -hmm. The most important thing you can do as a people manager is give time to your team, right? They are the ones that are closer to the executional work that are going to need to move the needle. And so if you are not giving them that time, as much as it might feel like it's taking your time away, it's going to gain you back time because you're going to be mobilizing them in the way that they need to be mobilized. And you can actually focus on other things. So it's it's like a very counterintuitive mindset sometimes yeah. when I speak with, you know, people managers are like, I'm just so busy. Like, I want to spend more time with my team. I'm like, well, there's the problem. You know, probably you're not spending your time the most effective way that you can. And on top of it, you're not giving your team the needed time. So it's creating this very vicious spiral that is not getting the right like equilibrium that you need as a to be as a people manager uh, great question that's coming in um i don't know who it's coming from it's, it's been saying linkedin user the entire time can you see it on your end i i, I can't see the name either so let okay. us know if you can uh whoever wrote this recent question uh if you have a first name <laughs> which i yeah. imagine you do let us know um yeah how can i support a manager like that who has too much on his plate even while you also do yeah, it's an excellent question. I think part of it could be an opportunity to relook 
what the priorities are and what mm -hmm. the workload is. Because if everyone is just overloaded, it's normally one of two things. It's either a process problem or a communication problem. So the process problem could be that there's just not enough fluidity in what's coming down the pipeline. And so there's a lot that's coming for your boss, for you, and not enough foresight or anticipation to help better respond to that. The communication piece could be that there's not effective communication coming through the pipeline. And so your boss is getting hit with things and then you're getting hit with things. But once again, there's not enough anticipation or proactivity there to help you do your best and to help your boss do your best. So just having as a starting point, like an open conversation around the reality that what you're working on, what they're working on is probably not very feasible. It's probably spreading all of you thin and is not going to drive the right results anyways, that this is an opportunity to relook, you know, where are the, where are the glitches in this? Like, why are we constantly in this situation where there's just so much going on at once and isn't allowing us to tap into our strains and the development priorities that we have as a team? That could be a really, really good starting point to identify if it's more of a process problem or a communication problem. And you can also suggest to your boss solutions, right? Uh, you don't really want to just dump problems onto your boss when they're already overloaded. So you could bring forward the problem that you see, share a few solutions that you have in mind, and then give a recommendation of an ideal solution that you would recommend that will help take things off of their plate, maybe help you with your own workload and see if that's something that can get their buy-in. And I think you you hit it right on the uh, the nail on the head. And uh, it's Eva. So Eva, thank you, Eva Z. Thank you for for the question. Is in and I've seen this happen. Is that the manager? I think one of the issues, like you said, the communication piece is they're not communicating to their manager the workload and what can potentially be an issue because whether it's you know shortage of uh, you know workforce on the on the team or whatever it is but not communicating that and they're just saying yes yes we'll get it done or not saying anything if they're not the person to say hey look what can potentially happen I've got with my team we're looking at all these projects based on timeline and what's you know, what are, what are the executable deliverables based on priorities this may fall this needs to be pushed yeah. back in order for us to get this done um, so really, I would even ask your manager, you know, have they communicated like, hey, have we outlined kind of the projects that are on the table right now for us to mm -hmm. them? And, you know, what's their feedback? Um, yeah. Is that something we can have a joint meeting so they can fully understand? Yeah. Um, I would request that as best as you can, because uh, if and if it's not and if that's not being offered to you at all and it's like, hey, you can't do it. I think that becomes a bigger problem because I think yeah. that's going to be, that's the culture or that's that leadership. And again, that's, and I hate to say it this, but that may not be a company you want to be a part of because that's, that's yeah. just not sustainable. No, it's not sustainable. No, it, it's such a good point. You, as a people manager, you want to keep a pretty close pulse on the workload of your mm -hmm. team. Um, you know, as a team member, your boss doesn't always remember like what you're working on, how long certain things take. Maybe they think you've already routed off on a certain project and right. you're still working through it. So same thing goes for the people manager on the other end. Keep a, a really close pulse. See if your team is moving forward at the rate that they should be moving forward on projects. And instead of just blindly saying yes to requests coming down from management, get some support from your team. Just check in. You know, you could say, yes, it looks like we'll be able to take this on. Let me check back, make sure that it is something feasible, given that we were already working on XYZ priorities. And, you know, I'll confirm back by the end of the day. Like just something like that is going to help protect your team. It's going to help protect you instead of being a yes person mm -hmm. that just takes things on. And then you're like, well, I can't get back out now. I already told the CEO, <laughs> yes, we would do it. And, you know, I didn't really give them a consequence of what's not going to get done if we take this on. And so that can create actually problems for you as a people manager, which ties to maybe one other quick point around what not to do. And that's really a failure to delegate. You know, a big part of being an effective transition into people management is delegating, delegating, delegating. You cannot be the person doing everything. It's just not going to work. And especially the more senior you get, the more delegating you're going to have to do. So you, you want to already start getting used to doing it because it's going to be an expectation, whether you like it or not. And being able to build that trust with your team, 
share things that will elevate them in certain areas of their role, helping support them, right? Delegating doesn't just mean like handing off and you never look at it again. You can have certain follow-up meetings, statuses where you're supporting them on what you're delegating. It's not just them running into the wind and you'll never see it again, <laughs> but supporting them in a way that still gives you a little bit of that hands off and that where you could actually focus on other things that will be really beneficial for the team and for the business results that you're working towards. Yeah. I think for me, as we, as we come to a close, uh, well, we are, we are on a run here. <laughs> I know. Uh, it's like uh, the three, the three P's for me is, you manage people, personality, and process uh, or projects, right? And yeah. you, you could say for a process as well. Um, and it's a it's a tough juggling act for sure. Yeah. Again, if you're not honed in on the first tips of what you should do, um, when we talked about effective communication, setting clear expectations, um, finding your your leadership style, etc. Uh, if those things are not in order early on in taking a new role as a leader. Um, it, it can unravel very, very quickly. Yeah. And those are conversations you do not want to have with your senior leader where their skip levels may be happening and they're like, hey, <laughs> I don't know what Orlando's talking about. He doesn't show the meetings. He's yeah. canceling this. The, he's saying projects are done and they're not done. And, the, and now we're hearing that we're missing three parts, et cetera, right? It goes on and on and on. So um, I think just... Overall, what we're saying, it's so crucial to hone on the positive things early, super, yeah. super early. And you're assuming that role, uh, whether it's lateral, first time, second time, new team, right? It's do that first. Yeah. Don't be so much project uh, driven first. Be people driven first. The people yeah. will take care of the projects. 100%. So good. Oh, my gosh. Okay, Orlando. We, yeah, we, we covered a lot. I think we could keep going, but... I mean, I think I think uh, that's a big one. If I share one last kind of closing point as a what not to do in transitioning people management is, you know, not giving feedback and recognition where it's due. Like feedback should be an always on thing. It's not just in performance reviews. It's not just in formal review settings or anything like that. Feedback should be an always on type of dynamic with your team members. That's how they're going to be their best. It's how they're going to be able to stay on track with the goals and objectives that you've laid out so clearly for them, thanks to today's episode. <laughs> um, and it's going to help you recognize them in the right way, right? To give them the moments to shine, give them the permissions to not be overly sheltered in meetings, you know, help them build up that resilience and backbone that will allow them to eventually be an amazing leader and people manager one day. Um, but trust in yourself, you know believe in what you can bring into this role. If you've made it into a people manager role, it's likely for a reason. I know there's not always the best people managers out there and we'll maybe save that topic for another day. But if you are genuinely someone who is very excited about being a people manager, who genuinely wants to do good by your team, I really think today's episode is going to help you absolutely deliver on that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Just share this episode, literally share this episode with folks, play it for your team. Uh, sit in a room and give yourselves an hour to, to to go through this and jot this stuff down and dissect it and walk through it. I think it could be tremendously uh, beneficial. Uh, I was going to throw something out there, but I was like, hey, if you want us to come and talk to you guys, right? <laughs> we'll make it happen. We'll right? make we'll, it we happen. Make we, it happen. We, I think between Orlando and myself, we have uh, we could probably stay here <laughs> a long oh, well, time. Yeah. Um, but having lived it, right? Having lived it ourselves. Yeah on the employee side and going up that that hierarchy it's it's not always evident mm -hmm. but uh, it's something that i've taken a lot of pride in and leading very effective teams and uh, i love paying it forward and sharing things that work really well and things to not do so that you can be your best self as a people manager and really inspire empower and enable your teams in everything that they do yeah it, i, I we're still talking, but I'm, I'm trying to wrap up, but there's so many things that are popping up. It, it's really uh, a shout out to you again with the the way you can give the proper communication. I think that the proper communication not only opens up a better flow of communication, but it, it sets the tone. Yeah. Right. I think it lowers any kind of anxiety, any pressure. Mm -hmm. If the right verbal responses are given, 
Yeah. Um, it just puts you more in a communicative state to be like, okay, I'm open. Let's, yeah, let's talk this out. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Well, I hope, I hope you all <laughs> took a lot of notes from today's episode of Career Talks, Real Talk, diving into transitioning to management. You know that you have our support to absolutely crush it in those roles. And please walk away from today with confidence, with self-belief, self-trust that you can do this and your team's counting on you. So go and get it, be your best self and know that not every day is going to be easy. Not every day is going to be a walk in the park, but it's part of learning to be a really effective manager and how you handle those challenging times can say a lot about your character and how you inspire and lead those around you. So embrace it all. Can't say it any better than that, folks. Uh, we'll be back in two weeks. Right? See you on the next one. All right. We'll talk soon.